Hello and welcome to another episode of Wife for Life. I am so excited because today I get to share one of my dearest friends with you, Vicki Gray from Transformational Church. Hey, Vicki. Hey, Michelle. It's so good to see you. Good to see you too. It's been way too long. Too long, too long. Yes. I miss you guys. I know. I was thinking the last time we've seen each other in person has been easily 15 plus years ago, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I've seen your husband since then when he would come to town for mm -hmm. uh, school. But uh -huh. other than that, no, that's not fair. Actually, no. You know, when I saw Durham last, he came and did um, a sermon at Willow Creek. Oh, were you there just the one he did this year? No, it was okay. pre-COVID. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was pre-COVID and Ray and I saw that he was coming in. It was like a lunch and learn. And he came in and he did his thing and we were so happy we were able to come and see him. We got some pictures and so yeah, oh. we kind of got our love through him. Yeah, that's yeah. so fun. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So speaking of Derwin, tell mm -hmm. us about your boo. How long you guys have been married? How many children you have? All that good stuff. What you do for a living? Okay. Yeah. Um. So uh, we met in college, and so we we will be married thirty years next month. What? I know. I know. I love that. It's because I was fifteen. Yeah, no, I know. I'm like, am I old enough to say I've been married 30 years? Oh, my word. Yeah. So, yeah. So we actually got married in college and um, then he got drafted by the Colts. And so we lived in Indianapolis for five years. That's where we met y'all and got to be loved on by you guys and just, um, you know, do life together with the babies and you all. And um, and then and now we live in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we have two children, uh, adult children. We have a 25-year-old uh, daughter. Her name is Presley. And then we have a 21-year-old son who is Jeremiah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Awesome. And yeah. And so only, I, you know, they're adult children. So we go back and forth between empty nest, not empty nest, empty nest, <laughs> not empty nest, you know. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like the new thing now, I guess. I don't know. Um and we are currently, we co-lead a church in the Charlotte, South Carolina, or Char Charlotte area. It's actually technically across the border in South Carolina. Oh. It's called Transformation Church. And um, we uh, launched, we founded it in 2010. So we've been um, a church for about 12 years, a little over. And um, yeah, so he's the lead pastor and the primary communicator as well as he writes books. He's released maybe, I think we're on six now. I don't know. Woo. It's like multiplying rabbits, but it's like having a baby. It's like we have all these other babies is what I call them. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I'm actually on our executive team. And then I lead our spiritual formation at our church, as well as I oversee staff health. And we have a staff of around 45 people. So, um, so we stay busy. Wow, a staff of 45 people. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know what the what 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 the stats are, but last I heard, and like I said, the last I heard was probably pre-COVID, you guys were um are one of the fastest growing multicultural churches in the United States. Is that correct? Is that correct? 
Yeah, um, we definitely were pre-COVID, yes. And um, I would say, especially in the the stream that we're in, um, that we are probably one of the few, what they would call mega churches. A mega church is technically a church that's over 2,000. Um, that's um, that is multi-ethnic, meaning our staff is multi-ethnic. It's not that we just have a couple of um, you know non-white families that come, but um, we truly are a multi-ethnic church. I love that. I love that. And hey, that's how it's supposed to be. So yes, I'm so excited. Yes. I can't wait to come down and visit and hear come my on. man preach. Yes, y'all need to come. We need to get Ray up there singing. You remember how Derwin used to always tell, ask him to sing for him. He'd let yes. me hear you sing. Yes, it's so funny because I always tell people that's the only way he got out of getting in trouble <laughs> is <laughs> if he got up and sang. <laughs> As a rookie, you know the deal. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Nothing like being put on the spot. Yes, yes. But hey, he was prepared, obviously, because mm -hmm. he came home in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me. Um, how long, how many seasons did Derwin play football? Um, he played six total, five for the Colts and then one for the Panthers. And that's how we got to Charlotte. Awesome. That they have that in common. I didn't realize that six seasons yeah. for both. Yeah. So tell me, because, you know, we know the ins and outs of what a career in professional athletics can do to a family. Not that, um, it's personal, but it's just comes with the sport. It comes, yeah. you know, with the platform. Um, how do you feel like the athletic world and now with the platform of ministry, how do you feel like that's impacted your marriage? That's a really good question. Um, I think one of the things that was, was helpful for us, I think, was a meeting dating for a couple of years and then getting married while we were in college was actually probably a really good thing for us to experience because we knew each other before we were in that professional athlete world. And so I think that really helped stabilize us. Um, I think there's still so many challenges as it relates to um, living in that world and challenges for marriages because all of a sudden you've just gone from like the college life which for most of us were broke in college um to now all of a sudden you have money and it's really easy and we weren't christians at the time either so it's really easy to um to really even without realizing it thinking that money's going to make you happy or money's going to fix your problems and Pretty soon you find out you still have those problems, just you have more money and you have the problems. <laughs> and so I would say um, those were probably some of our most challenging years of our marriage, because I think we were both still fighting ourselves. We were really young and we were trying to figure out who we were. And um, we really had to walk through like even the family of origin issues that you bring into your marriage that we all bring in. You automatically think, no, this is the way you have conflict. And the other person's going, you don't do conflict that way. You know, um, my family was don't talk about it. And his family was like, we got to talk about it. And so we're literally opposites. And so it comes to conflict and I'm trying to run out the door and he's chasing me. Right. Like, where are you going? And so um, just even learning skills like that. And then when you're under a microscope, right, it's that 
harder. And so, I mean, I thank God for people like like you, your husband and um, and you and Stephen Leslie Grant, because we had married couples around us, godly married couples that were modeling for us um, what marriage with Jesus at the center looks like. And so um, that was challenging. And, and it's really interesting to now that um, he's probably more well-known now than he was as a football player. Um, but the beautiful thing is, is for us is, you know, he's like, I've been signing autographs since I was 17. Like, this doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it for fame because I've kind of been on the biggest stages. Like the NFL is sort of like the big stage, right? The biggest. Yeah. And so I think us, um, our marriage making it through those early years, mm -hmm. I think is foundational because we can look back on it. We can see God's faithfulness. We can see the things that we've mm -hmm. made it through. Yes. Um, but I think above all, making sure that we're still cultivating our marriage, that above all, um, we are two individuals that have joined together and our marriage is our first priority. And you know as well as I do, that is hard and it and it take you have to be intentional. Yes. You're tired and you got this pulling you this way and that pulling you that way. But yes, you know, the grass is greener where it's watered. Mm -hmm. Come on. Say that again. <laughs> the grass is greener where it's watered. Yes. Right. And yes. so when people say, Oh, you guys have such a good marriage, wait. Like we've been fighting for this for 29 plus years. Like mm -hmm. this didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. it like it fell out of the sky. And so obviously we don't want to share all the 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 dirt we've been through and like, you know, when your spouse isn't on the, the call with you, but it's kind of like, no, we've had to work really hard to fight for health, to fight for forgiveness. And every marriage is going to require um, yes. that type of work to fighting for health and for, through forgiveness because we all make mistakes. Yes. Yes. And I think you brought up some really valid points that I think we sometimes forget, which is that athletes are young. They're yes. kids, you know, yes. and they're trying to figure out life itself, let alone yes. life with money. And yes. the platform is not just the platform of being a professional athlete. Yeah. It's the platform of being the rescuer of your family. Oh, man, if that is not the truth, that was that was a big struggle for us. I'm not sure if that was for y'all, too, but that was big for us. I think it is for everyone because money is already a sensitive topic. But now that you're in it, people really are like, come on, help us out. And you want to help people, but you have to do it wisely. And that's one of the things that as you're saying all these great things about what you guys gleaned from us, that was one of the things that I remembered about you guys. You guys seem like you really handled your money smart. Like you didn't go out for the big fancy house or the big fancy car or anything. And if I recall correctly, I remember you guys guys like living a downsized life uh downsized life off of your income mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that you can then after football maybe live a little you know freer yes. knowing that you don't have all these other things pulling at you is that right that's right yeah yeah we did and um i think that was one of the things that i think god just really protected us in that and um and we did have struggles as it relates to family and money um partly because i was like we're trying to be so frugal and like we're gonna give all this away like wait whoa 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 you know and yeah. so and and you 
you brought up a really good point, Michelle, when you talk about um, for the for the young athlete that all of a sudden has money. And that's whether you come from a poor background or not. How many people really have that kind of money beforehand? Right. Very yeah. few. And and you are viewed as the rescuer. And so for the athlete, it puts so much pressure on them. And especially in certain cultural contexts, there's this expectation that now you've made this money and now you should help. And it's very easy for that family of origin to get in between the married couple and um, we battled against that for a really long time. And I remember at one point just finally sort of um, just saying, God, I, I have to trust you with this because every time I would say something, it seemed like it made it worse. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until I finally stopped like, you know, <laughs> at his heels yeah. um, that I feel like it's like God started to change his heart, you know, yeah. and God was like, you need to trust me with this. And, um, and it taught me a lot. I, I matured a lot through it too. Yeah. You are all in first Peter three. I always tell the wives about first Peter three, because for whatever reason, we're naturally inclined to use our lip service when we feel our security is being threatened. Yeah. Wait a minute. You know exactly what it is, but actually our lip service should be to God. And that is harder than what it sounds like. It is so hard because it, and it ultimately what it reveals is where am I placing my trust? Yes. Because if my trust is in the Lord, ultimately, then I can trust, even if my husband's not making the best decisions, I can still trust the Lord with my future. Woo, that's a word right there. You better preach. Say that I again. Know, right. And it is hard. It is so hard because we are very much taught, I think, especially as women our generation and younger mm-hmm. like you're going to take care of yourself don't rely on anybody you can do this and yes. so we oftentimes bring that into the marriage mm-hmm. and while it can be a very positive thing god calls us to be one flesh mm-hmm. and he calls us to take that journey together and so it's frustrating in one way that like money is so necessary and it's really a neutral thing mm-hmm. um but it can become like something that like can ruin your life and ruin your marriage. And so I think um, having the ability to have non-threatening conversations about how you view money, how I view money, how we're going to approach this money together. Mm -hmm. um, And that's why I think like mentoring couples, right, is really helpful for that. Oh, yes. And and finding that line in between of agreement too. you know, getting to that is difficult in itself, because like you said, we have different backgrounds and that comes into play. Mm -hmm. So that that's good. Now, let me ask you this. What um, was what would you say was the most challenging thing you faced? Like and, and, and just one thing that I remember is just pregnancy for you was an ordeal. So um that too. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. You remember that. I do remember. Weren't you bedridden for like basically eight months? Five. Five. I knew Five. it was a lot. Where's the camera? Five months. I, I was a lot. Oh my God. Yes. I had a seclage and I had to stay at home and be in the bed. They didn't even, I mean, borderline, they were like, look, don't even shower. Just wash up because we think you're going to have this baby too soon. Man. That was in itself a depressing time in my life. Yes. 
Yes. Because we were away from home. We lived in another state, you know, didn't have family. And here I am bedridden with a monitor on my belly for, you know, five months. That was miserable. I remember. Yeah. What was your journey like? Well, so um, my the women in my family get what we what's called hyperemesis gravidarum. It just it's a fancy Latin term for um, throw up all day every day when you're pregnant. Mm. And so um, it was horrible. I was hospitalized with both of our children. Um, I actually had a miscarriage in between the two children, um, but just to the point that it's like I couldn't get out of bed. And I was constantly throwing up. And I don't know if you remember, Michelle, but when we lived in Indianapolis and I first found out I was pregnant and I came home from the hospital, I'd been vomiting so hard and so like long that I broke the blood vessels in my eyes. And so instead of whites in my eyes, there was blood. Do you remember I that? I do remember that. Mm -hmm. I forgot until you just said that. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. And so it was rough. And so my first pregnancy was, was hard that way made it through, um, didn't get pregnant again until we moved to Charlotte and got pregnant with Jeremiah. And um, but that pregnancy was even harder because I had all of the physical that similar situations happened, but then I went into like a clinical depression and I had never experienced that before. I'd never even heard of it. In those days, people didn't really talk about it. And when we would say depressed, we meant like, it's that time of the month I'm depressed, right? right. And that's a total different thing than I don't even want to live. Right. And um, it was so bad that um, it got to the point that I didn't want to get out of bed. And Derwin was like getting really worried about me to the point that he would be, he'd have to go to an appointment. And he'd, he'd make me get out of bed to go with him because he didn't want to leave me home alone. And he said, I knew something was wrong with when you looked at me and you said you didn't know if you wanted to live. Well, at that point, um, we go back to see my um, my OBGYN because I'm probably four months pregnant, five, something like that. Mm. And um, the doctor says, that's called depression and we need to get you help. Mm. <laughs> it, it happened so gradually that yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't know that's what it was. I yeah. just knew that it was horrible. And, um, thank God, you know, he put me on some medication that was safe to use during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And within about two months, I was feeling, I was still throwing up a lot, but at least, at least my mental outlook wasn't right. as, as, and I mean, cause it was starting to get dangerous cause we had a little girl too. So, um, but God used that time really <laughs> to help me understand brain health and mental health mm -hmm. Yeah. And have compassion for others because oftentimes when people struggle with addiction, it's because they're self-medicating. Right. Medicating deep pain that we may know nothing about. Mm -hmm. and so it's really helped me personally and it's helped both of us in our ministry. Yeah. Ooh, speaking of ministry, you must have read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> So ministry, oh my gosh. So I feel like our lives have so much synergy because um, I remember when we started our nonprofit, A Real Hope on Earth, and that became our full-time jobs. And I remember so many couples saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't work together. It'll ruin your marriage. <laughs> 
And Ray and I, first of all, we're both Leos, which I don't really get into the signs and stuff, but we have some similarities there personality-wise. So, of course, us being us was like, what are you talking about? No, that would never happen. But, man, the dynamics of doing any type of business or work together mm -hmm. is, whoo, tell me about your journey. <laughs> what is yours like? <laughs> I mean, I, you are so spot on and we started the same very early because actually when he was still playing, I don't know if you remember this, when we were in Indianapolis, we started the Derwin Gray Foundation and we would do like scholarships and things like that. Oh, I did not know. Yep. And so I did all the organizing of it. And so we started then kind of doing stuff together and that, that seemed to go fine. Um, and then shortly after we moved to Charlotte, um, and it was after his last season of football and we started doing, um, we started, we thought it was just called a nonprofit speaking business, but people said that's a ministry. And so, um, because he would be asked to share his story about coming to faith and um, it just made sense with our natural giftedness that I would be the organizer of it. And so I would organize it like, I don't know, help build the website, things like that. And so through that, and so we're doing that while having children you know, and I mean, we had some humdinger arguments and um, I, honestly, I don't know how we would have done it without the Lord, number one, and number two, without um, godly people that we could go to and say, what do I do with this? Like, how do I even navigate this? You know, and so I would say like present day, so we co-lead um, the church that we lead now, and we're both on the executive team. Um, but so much of what I've learned over the years is wisdom around, um, or I shouldn't say wisdom, praying for God to give me wisdom um, to know when to speak, because there's oftentimes, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful at all, um, there is like a woman's vision. There's like a woman's like intuition, right? That we see things sometimes before they do. Yes. Um, foresight. Yes. And it's not all the time, but there's plenty of times that I might see it. And I don't know. I mean, okay, let's just put it this way. Especially if you're talking to somebody and you, your gut is telling you this person is not all they're saying there, you know, like we usually can tell. And there's been times in the past I would speak too soon and then it would cause friction between us. And so I've had to learn to ask God to show me like, okay, is this the time to speak up and say, Hey, I let you know or not. And um, I'll share one story with you, Michelle, that actually goes back to our NFL days. Okay. And so, um, he, it was around his fourth year with it, with the Colts and another player was trying to talk him into using his agent instead of the agent we had signed with. And I kept saying, oh, I'll feel good about it. Like, I, oh, something is not right. Well, he decided to do it anyways. And um, he went with this other agent. Well, um, our last year there, he dropped the ball on the contract and we almost didn't get a contract. Oh yeah. It was a mess. And so um, he came to me and he was like, you were right. Like you, you know, what? what? He's <laughs> 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 a snake. And I was like, well, um, the thing is, 
is like, I, I knew it. Like I could feel it, like everything about him. He was like, what do they call it? Like the snake oil salesman, right? That's just what I felt. And, um, but the, the lesson we learned from that though, was don't ever make a major decision um, unilaterally, meaning be on one accord if you're going to make that decision. And if you're not on one accord to make a, something like that's a really big decision, um, then then pray until you are or don't move yet. You know, and I'm not talking about simple stuff like, I don't know, can I buy that lamp? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, oh, I need a new car. I'm just going to go out and buy it. No, not in our family. You don't do that. Like that's something that we do together, right? Yes, I love that. I love that so much um, because I just feel like when God says a man finds a wife, when he finds his wife, he finds a good thing, good you know? Thing. I feel like um, Ray, Ray would be, if he was here today, he would say the same thing. First of all, let me say that. <laughs> and I think he would also say he had to learn how to appreciate his good thing and all the giftedness that God put in me for him. Yes. Right. Yes. And that's one of the things that I think God puts in us for our husbands, especially when you're out here trying to do big things in ministry for his on his behalf or just big things, period. I think it's 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 prudent to listen to your spouse and adhere. But not only that, to be on one accord, because I always tell my wives, hey, we swim, we sink, we sail, we soar, we do it together. Yes. You know, yes. and if we do it together, then we have no conflict because we both agree to go this route. So That's if right. we sink, we sink together happily because we exactly. both agree to do it, you know, that's and right. that's the important thing to me for wives to get is to understand and husbands to get yes. is if we if we're together, it doesn't matter what happens. That's but right. if you're a yes and I'm a no and you proceed on that, yes, that's going to cause major friction in our marriage. It is. It absolutely is. And um, and it's really not worth it. Right. And so we say this um, all the time when we're talking about like, um, our, you know, when you when you're fighting with your spouse and you go, it's really not about win or lose, because if one of you wins, that means you both lose. Come on. Right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Because it's really about moving forward in a healthy relationship, not about winning and losing. Yes. And it's not a it's not we're we're a team. Exactly. And that's why if one of us wins and the other one loses, we both lose because we're right. a team. We're on the same team. Amen. 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 So you talked about faith and um one of the things that I really never got the background story, like I know Ray and Derwin's relationship and encounter with God together. But like you said, in college, you guys weren't believers yet. What what crossed the line for you? What made you go um, to the other side? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think when we were in college, um, I think we we probably would have said we were Christians had someone asked, um, but neither one of us had ever been really in an environment where that came up, so to speak. And so um, where I grew up, it was like, there's just like, it was just darkness. There was just a spiritual vacuum. But I think we believe 
or at least I did believed I was a Christian because I wasn't like Buddhist or Muslim or some other like known religion. I'm like, I'm an American, I'm a Christian. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was really when we were in Indianapolis and um, as you know, between Ray, as well as Steve Grant, the naked preacher, um, putting, <laughs> putting <laughs> on the spot. Well, that was happening in the locker room. Um, a dietitian that I worked with at the health center I was working at in Indianapolis, I started to watch her life and there was just something different about her. And what's funny is I still remember coming home and telling Derwin, um, oh, like she's a really good Christian. And what I meant by that was thinking that I'm a Christian, but, but I cuss. I drink, I didn't smoke, but I pretty much did everything else, right? And so I was like, she's a good Christian. I'm a Christian, but she's a good Christian. And so anyways, um, I started asking her like spiritual questions. And to this day, she'll say, I knew you were seeking by the questions you asked. Mm. And then one day she just asked me if I was a Christian. And I said, yeah, I believe in God. And she was just so kind and patient. And she said, well, being a Christian is more than believing in God. And um, she said, it's really believing, you know, that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you can't save yourself and um, that you enter into a relationship with him and you join the family of God. And she started to explain that. And I remember thinking, I really don't know what you're saying. Um, but at the same time, I was also attending the Colts Wives Bible study. And so all together, God used all of that. And while we were there in Indianapolis, it was like he just revealed that truth to me. And so within about six months, we both gave our lives to Christ there in Indianapolis. Wow. And that makes me think about the power of peers, the power of fellowship. Um, I always tease Ray and say, uh, we're two different kind of Christians. I grew up and I was very shy. So when they talk about discipleship or when the church would tell us to go out and speak to strangers and invite them to Christ, that was always difficult for me. Yeah. I could not do that because I was too shy. Yeah. Ray, on the other hand, I liken him to the man downtown Chicago with the bullhorn saying, come to Christ or go to hell. You know, like <laughs> you're going to die. Everybody. You know, I always teased him like that because for me, it was always about letting my light shine. That yes. was the only way I could do it. I was like, I'm too shy. I can't yes. use rejection. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So, when I think about peer pressure in a good way, would you say... Um, you guys even coming to the Bible studies and everything was because he felt some level of connection to Stephen Ray? I think so. And I think that, um, I think it was that. And then I think there was also this, um, we really thought we were like good people and this is what good people do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, and, and it could be, I mean, you know, we graduated from Brigham Young University, which is a Mormon school. Yeah. And so there was always this like awareness of faith journeys and things mm -hmm. like that. But we both knew we didn't want to be Mormon. Um, and so, but I definitely think because those were kind of his guys, right? And I think when he saw them doing those things and knowing I'm a good guy, that he should do it too. Mm hmm that is so awesome. That is so awesome. I love it. Well, so now that we put all those things into perspective and we're kind of coming to a close, what advice would you give for a wife, whether it be a wife of a high profile husband like yours, or um, if 
it's um, especially a wife in ministry because Transformation Church, like you said, is now a mega church, but it didn't start off that way. And we right. know the mountains and the molehills that you have to go through to get there. Um, but even to the everyday wife, because even though our lives may have some difference and variations to it, it's still the bottom line is still the same. You know what I mean? So what advice would you give to our uh, viewers, our listeners, um, as far as how to fortify their marriage and be a wife for life? Yeah. I mean, I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, ultimately, let God complete you. Let Jesus complete you. Don't look to your husband to complete you hmm. because the more secure you are in who God says you are, um, the more secure you're going to be in your marriage. And that's going to make you more attractive in your marriage because you won't be as needy. Um, you're going to be confident in who God has made you to be, not in an overbearing way, but in a way like the more we believe who God says we are, the more I can serve freely without expecting something in return. And I ultimately believe that's some of the things that have helped my marriage is being willing to freely give, um, not living um, a transactional life, mm. um, living more of a transformational life that says I'm defined by God's love alone. And so therefore I can freely give to you. But that means I can also have the courage to have the hard conversations because of how God loves me, I can learn to love myself correctly, not in a prideful way, but in, if Jesus died for me, I must be really valuable. And so how do I take care of myself um, so I can love myself the right way so that I can still love and serve my family the way God would have me do it. And so, um, but that all, it's a, at Transformation Church, we call it upward, inward, and outward. We learn to love God completely so we can love ourselves correctly and love our neighbors compassionately. It's basically the great commandment that Jesus gave in Matthew. And so um, I would say to focus on the Lord, focus on letting him heal your wounds, focus on him empowering you to have hard conversations, mm. focus on empowering him, empowering you to be respectful when you don't feel like being respectful, um, all of those things. Yes. And, and you'll be amazed at how God honors those little baby steps yes. of faithfulness. Yes, I I am so vibing with what you're saying because I really I feel like it took me too too long. Like we're 26, but we've been together 30. Yeah, and, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. And I just feel like it took me too long to realize that the real work in marriage is working on myself. Yes. What I can yes. you know, working with my controllables. I can't control Ray. That's right. Even in parenting, I can't control my children. But what I can do is control Michelle. And the more I work on me, the better things around me seem to just fall in place, you know. Mm -hmm. So I love that advice. And man, that nugget, not transactional, but transformational. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm taking that with it. You take it, girlfriend. You take it. <laughs> I love it. Vicky, thank you so much. And I promise we are coming to Carolina because I want to see you in person and yes. get a hug. <laughs> yes, I would love that so much. Aww. Thank you for having me on your little program. Yes, you know I got to have you again. <laughs> I would love to. So I am looking forward to seeing you guys. Tell your hubby we said hello and we love you guys so much. Guys, thank you for joining us. And thank you so much, Vicky, for joining us too. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, 
hey, tune in next week or next time for another episode of Wife for Life. This is Michelle McElroy, your host. Have a great day.